Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. My dad is, he loves me all the way, you know. But you were the guy, you would, you know, say, great job, I love you. So I just went towards you. I was out of the house. I had an apartment. I had to pay rent. When I had, like, the worst troubles, I'd go to you. And I was like 19, I think we're like pasta presto on McDougal Street. And you insisted on taking a cab. And to this day, I think you were trying to show off that you were loaded because <laughs> you went to pay $14 to go from your club to pasta presto. It's literally an L of like four blocks on a Saturday night on McDougal Street. And I go, you know, it's right there. And every time I reached for the door, you went, just allow yourself to relax and be driven to a night. Pasta Presto is like the Olive Garden in Manhattan. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm 19, I'm like, man, we're going to throw it around tonight. I had it, Norton. We all had it. And then I kept reaching for the door, and I'm like, I almost called this guy dad. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard. I'm very excited today because we have a really, really great show with a guy who I have represented for 25 years, and I'm talking about Jay Moore. It's going to be an amazing episode, and I know you're going to like it a lot. So without further ado, I'm going to give him the introduction that he deserves, and when he wakes up, we'll have an amazing podcast. Jay Moore is the rarest of entertainers, actor, best-selling author, TV show creator, executive producer, and TV host, and a guy who's been performing stand-up comedy since he was 16 years old, with a career that spans several decades. After landing his dream job on Saturday Night Live, it appeared as though Jay had reached the height of success, but two years later, he would be cast opposite Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire, and then co-star with Jennifer Aniston in Picture Perfect. Since then, Moore has brilliantly balanced both acting and stand-up comedy, as well as other entertainment genres, as roommates in his brain. He's appeared in over 25 films starring opposite 13 Academy Award winners. 
among the movies you may have seen him in are Go, directed by Doug Lyman, Pluto Nash with Eddie Murphy, Suicide Kings with Christopher Walken, Simone with Al Pacino, playing by Hart with Ellen Burstyn and Angelina Jolie, and Hereafter, directed by Clint Eastwood and starring opposite Matt Damon. In television, he starred in his own groundbreaking series produced by Joel Silver and the late Ted Demi called Action and the critically acclaimed CBS comedy Gary Unmarried, as well as hosting and creating the Emmy-nominated NBC show Last Comic Standing. Additionally, he's continuously added other genres to his journey, writing the best-selling books Gasping for Airtime and No Wonder My Parents Drank, which was optioned by ABC for development of a sitcom based on its content. Legendary TV producer Dick Wolf said of Moore, he's really good. It's kind of odd because he's known as a comic, yet he oftentimes works in highly dramatic roles that a lot of dramatic actors would have a very hard time eschewing. And he does a great job. You know, it's like if you're playing tennis against a club champion, your game should go up. The better the competition, the better the game. And I think Jay Moore really comes to play. In L.A., Jay is the host of the L.A. Rams pregame show on ABC7, his national radio show, Jay Moore Sports, which is part of a murderous row lineup of Jay, Dan Patrick, and Colin Cowherd, syndicated all over the country in 150 markets, and his well-known, highly acclaimed podcast, More Stories, which has been downloaded over 40 million times. All right, without further ado, I'd love to introduce my guest, a man who, without him, I doubt I would be ever doing this podcast that you're listening to right now. Please welcome a friend, a client, and a man I admire, Jay Moore. Any more cars on that train, cats? Good Lord. <laughs> the whole family's watching the train go by. Let's count the cars. <laughs> That was longer than Dave Chappelle at a roast. <laughs> Good God. Am I being, is this my funeral? You may know him, uh, <laughs> knew him, capital H, the son of God, man. <laughs> J. Christ of Nazareth Moore, Ferguson Valley, what? <laughs> Hold on, we got some more trains coming by, man. Santa Fe. I just want to let people know how special you are. You put it together in uh, editing, people think it was all one shot. <laughs> People know you leave for a restroom break and come back. Oh, my God. I can't hold it anymore, man. <laughs> Camp Wilder. <laughs> Four decades. When Barry used to uh, MC, you were exceptional. I'm not joking. You were very funny. As a comedian MC. Yeah, you were really funny. And there's so many people that think they're, that say they're actually comedians and they make a wage and they're not at all. And you would just go, uh, <laughs> how about the people over here, round of applause. Look at this guy. Make me laugh, you big blonde Jew. Make me laugh. <laughs> These people hate me. <laughs> but you always had the best standard intro of a guy who had no credits. As an 18-year-old, I didn't have any credits. He's one of the greatest comedians in the country, and you're about to see why. <laughs> it's like the best. I'm not joking. Like, it was really exceptional. Everyone's like, oh, okay. But what happens if you got up there and you had nothing? You wouldn't have been introducing them in your club. Well, one's a comic, you're like, Stu Kamen's, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Todd Barry. Oh, shit. Hey, uh, 
I'm going to do Jay Moore's podcast to sell my album for $5, but not follow him into any jokes at all. Apologize. Remember the joke you did? No, I don't. Okay. Do you do a lot of podcast interviews where people don't give you anything? Are you talking about the More Stories podcast? That is yes, a free I'm app? sorry. The More when Stories podcast. When are you going to get an app? Maybe when I can get somebody to advertise and then they'll design it for me. Don't put the cart before the horse, man. <laughs> when you get a nice app, build your following first. Why don't you invest some money in your own product? <laughs> That's what you said to me a year and a half ago. You're full of shit, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yes. Um, Barry's doing more stories podcasts, and I go, you know that James Brown song? I got mine. The lyric, I got mine. I don't worry about his. He goes, you're full of shit, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> you do worry about his. If you knew no internet, you had no idea who Adam Carolla, Mark Marin, Chris Hardwick were, no ratings. <laughs> the only thing you would say to me is, Cats, this, this podcast is changing lives. It's unbelievable. I'm undeniable. And instead you're telling me, he had Jeff Bridges three times, man. <laughs> You were alluding to the point in time that you were thinking of stopping your podcast because you didn't think that you were getting the right guest and you didn't feel like you were making your presence felt as much as you thought you could. Numbers uh, don't lie unless it's ratings or a judge in like the Olympics. Like you watch the diving in the Olympics, like 14 people in a row. Somehow there's two points separating all these flips and twists and you're like, oh, I thought they were all... I can't do it one and a half at my mom's pool without hitting my back and turning red. <laughs> the announcers go, oh, no. I'm like, well, I look good. <laughs> so you look at the ratings. It's like, you're 50th. It's like, how? We don't know. There's some weird, like Nielsen ratings. And yeah. I was just uh, 50th going, out of 375,000 podcasts. I'm not in the 50th business, and that's and neither are you. We, as Greg Fitzsimmons said on More Stories podcast, I realized the other night I'm on the road. I'm back at my hotel. We have to be perfect. One fucked up sentence and they go, ah, yeah, right. And you're like, and then you got to get them back. So, yeah, but we got a talent booker finally. And um, you're the guy that said, why don't you just go in your pockets and invest in yourself? No talent booker. You don't even close the garage door. <laughs> There's a fucking chihuahua running up the street chasing a drone <laughs> with cold hot dogs taped to the bottom. And it's all in there when you're talking to, uh, to Anthony Bourdain. Well, I just felt that you were taking on so much responsibility because you do everything. There isn't one lane of show business that you don't do. And then you're taking on the booking responsibilities and you're booking every guest. It's a little much. I know. Look at me. I have bags under my eyes. You're aging like Clinton in the White House. It's unbelievable. Ah, uh, presidential portraits. <laughs> it's not just me, Barry. And I'm very glad you brought that up. <laughs> if you look at Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> you ever see Abraham Lincoln's portraits? No. Wow. I think maybe it was a mercy killing. <laughs> like his hair's all fucked up. He's got mud on his suit. He's like depressed. He'd be out working in the garden and be like, time for your portrait. He'd go... All right. <laughs> so look at any presidential portrait, first year, second year, third year, fourth, like, just look at Obama. It's like mud bone. <laughs> when I first met the boy, 
Get some uh, sunshine on your face. It's free, man. You host. You do radio. You're great on talk shows. You act in sitcoms. You executive produce. You act in films. You produce movies. You do stand-up. There isn't anything that you don't do. You have a radio show that reaches 150 markets. What's your favorite lane that you work in presently? It's going to surprise you, I think, and I, surprising you is very difficult. Publishing a book is impossible. You're looking at a high school in New Jersey public school with guidos and spray tans and IROX. You can just get like a Hyperion or Simon & Schuster to go, here's some money, write that thing you told us about, and you just... You put your kid to bed, you go up, you write for like an hour, you or sometimes you go longer, sometimes you don't write at all, and then it's done. And when somebody says to me, I was at Chicago O'Hare Airport coming back from, I don't know where, it was a layover, and it was a family, it was a mom and dad and two boys, and the wife goes, would you say hi to my husband, it's like a young, cool couple? She said, he loves your two books. And I go, yeah. And the guy goes, oh my God, I love your book. Like, he didn't know I was an actor at all. So to be recognized for something you write, and then they have to buy it, then they have to hold it up, read it, and pro just written by, and they go, that's the guy, is the strangest, and it's the most proud. Like sitcoms, like, yeah, I would hope you see it. It's in your home. But to get a book and be, books are like, it's tactile. You hold it, put it down, pick it back up, bring it on vacation. You can't bring Gary on married to Kona. Until now, man. <laughs> Spin the wheel. <laughs> Gary unmarried to Kona. Oh, you said presently. I'm not writing anything presently. People are going to go, ooh, it's coming out. That's not true. You're writing a project. Uh, yeah, no, that doesn't get spoken about. Let me give anybody a, You have a lot of industry folks listening. Yes, I do. If you talk about it, it gets weaker. You're dehydrating something. Like the more somebody talks about something in this town, it just lessens. It's like uh, having something on a dimmer in your house. And they go, hey, I got that, uh, I got that movie I'm writing. <laughs> Little next day. They never tell you about the movie. I'm, what are you doing? I got this. And then you're just walking around with a fucking empty bulb and everybody knows you're not doing it. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my blueprint for success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Why, in your opinion, the more you talk about something, the lesser the benefit is to your career? Because the more you talk about it, you keep it alive in an artificial space, in like an alternative reality of this thing is happening. But in reality, you're talking about it because you haven't sat down to start it. You're not halfway through it. We used to have a guy we hung out with go, I'm on page 30. Like, he told you the page number. And when you speak about it at lunch, you're at Jerry's Deli, and you go, hey, man, I got this album coming out. All I got to do is add a drummer and drum tracks. 
and you've created this thing with your voice and your words, your thoughts have now been shared with another person. There's a connection. They go, oh, wow, their face changes. They have that data. They may share it across town. They make it an airplane, go to Florida and go, you know, Jim's got a, an album out. He's coming. And then somebody in Florida. But that dies quickly and quietly. So if you don't talk about it, I think it keeps getting more power and you must do it because you're the only one with the knowledge of the characters of where the story could go and then you get so excited you just you have to just get it out and i shared something with you once i did on my oh my god don't ever write on an ipad oh my god <laughs> i took my ipad to a corporate gig in orlando and just from lax to orlando i'm like cats check it oh my hands <laughs> like I, I do a sling. Literally, I do a sling. I couldn't open my hand from going tap, 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 tap. Like, yeah, I got it. Take it down to the copy out of the stat. Zing. Ow. One of my greatest memories of my life was when no one knew you were writing the Gasping for Airtime book, and you would send me chapters. You've always been like a father figure to me, and you and I have shared the most intimate, private details, including deaths, failures of our entire lives. So me sharing it with you, you were the guy. I would call you and read it aloud. It meant so much to me. I'm like choking up. Well, another thing that makes me choke up and I'm choking up is that one of my greatest memories I have is one of my saddest memories when I was in a hotel room with you and told you that Charlie Barnett had passed away. One of the greatest street performers of all time, Noogie from Miami Vice, DC Cab, DC Cab the I guy with the curlers in his hair. He was just an inspirational kind of character that you just loved in New York City. And when he died, I remember us both like hugging each other, weeping, hysterically shaking. You saw this guy perform in Washington Square Park, this little guy. Like stand up is an art form, but if you're going to do it in the park, you have to get everybody's attention that's just coming and going, and tourists, people that don't speak English. You have to be beyond alive to get the attention of people that are sunbathing, riding bikes, smoking a joint, an acoustic guitar, juggling, walking through Washington Square Park to get to a pizzeria. It's like, well, we got to stop it. This is amazing. No ticket sold or bought, no promotion. So you have to supersede life as we are living it now and go top shelf. And he was so sick. Uh, also with me, it was a bit of a release and relief twofold because being an addict, he struggled his entire life. There, he died struggling. Neil Brennan and I saw him in the hospital the day he went, woke up blind. And it was, yeah, we're going to go see Charlie. And he walked into the hotel room and he's like, he's looking around trying to find us. And it was, you can't, you want to run out of the room and cry. Like, but then you realize that's not what he needs right now. He needs you to like maybe touch his body and just be affectionate because when people are sick, people don't want to go near them, specifically with certain ailments that people don't know a lot about. I never saw him do a drug. I represented him towards the end of his life until he died. He never did laundry. He would do a street show and he would take the money, go to the Gap, buy some new clothes and then give his clothes to another homeless guy. Rumor has it that he used to do this thing in New York City where him and Rick Avilas would get on either side of the train 
in Washington Square Park, the 4th Street Station, and they would work inside the train street performing for money. And they'd get off at Harlem, split the dollar bills, and they'd fist fight for the change. What a weird fight. Like, I don't know who you bet on to quote unquote. Dennis Miller, how'd you like to be lumped in with the rest of these winners? <laughs> Rick Avilas was the killer in the movie Ghost, for those of you who don't know. Charlie uh, was so sick for so long. You mentioned intravenous drug use. Um, so he was sick, you know. Um, but he, when he died, me being an addict, and that's before I got sober. I, I mean, I was going to do like heroin, and I never seen coke in my life or anything. But I was, I'm, a, I'm an addict. I had to get sober twice, you know. So I knew for him it was a release, having grown up with an alcoholic uh, parent and watching my mom get her act together when I was nine. And then the ab absence. People get old and they die. You have a grandparent, you watch them get older and older and older. Then they get sick, and that's what the whole family speaks about. But with Robin Williams, with Charlie, when it's somebody that brings that much and gets something out of somebody that they tell people everywhere they go, when that person goes, it's the first time I saw it as an absence and it wasn't okay like if somebody smiles at you and that tooth is missing in the front you just can't go past it you just stare at the gap you know there's all these teeth in the mouth you're like there's just you're missing in the front and that was the first death in my life where it was so he's just like gone it's, it's very hard to conceptualize and the other reason they hit me so hard when you and I were hugging one another when I got choked up was my dad is he loves me all the way you know but you were the guy you would you know say great job I love you so I just went towards you I was out of the house I had an apartment I pay rent when I had like the worst troubles I'd go to you and I was like 19, I think we're like pasta presto on McDougal Street. And you insisted on taking a cab. And to this day, I think you were trying to show off that you were loaded because <laughs> you went to pay $14 to go from your club to pasta presto. It's literally an L of like four blocks on a Saturday night on McDougal Street. And I go, you know, it's right there. And every time I reached for the door, you went, just allow yourself to relax and be driven to a night. Pasta Presto is like the Olive Garden in Manhattan. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm 19, I'm like, man, we're going to throw it around tonight. I had it, Norton. We all had it. And then I kept reaching for the door, and I'm like, I almost called this guy dad. And you've always had that father. That particular place we were going to was the place that I met with you where I told you I wanted to manage you. Yeah. And so my whole life, you've been the guy. I mean, we're still together, you know. For the kids. <laughs> 25 years. And my father just wasn't affectionate. He was just there's a life of apathy, a life of, he's not a bad guy. You've met him many times. He's not a bad guy at all. He's a, he's a, he's a kind and loving man. He's just not demonstrative. And I just, not like insatiably like a like fucking, uh, you know, Shirley Temple or, sing out, Louise. 
I just needed somebody my whole like I remember Mr. T Tom Valenti, fourth grade, Mr. Roma, uh, freshman year, criminal law. Like just I remember the Mrs. Cadmus, fourth grade, Mrs. Lano, sixth grade. I remember the actual adults that told me, "How you doing?" It was like me, because <laughs> I just never nobody felt me particularly interesting in my home. My pop pop died, Jack Moore. Your grandfather. Jack Moore, yeah. Jack Moore in the high hats, president of Revlon. Beautiful guy, like class. He'd mow the lawn with a suit on, but he had a different suit. Because obviously, I'm mowing the lawn. I'm not going to wear my other suit. He was that guy. And it wasn't like a show. He was that cool. He ran for Senate, got demolished. <laughs> and he, uh, when he died, He's the reason I have the giraffe tattoo, because I said he always had these giraffes in his house in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. The statue is made out of ivory and wood, and like there'd be one from like Judy Garland, one from Ray Bolger, one from Jane Mansfield, one from Pat Boone, one from uh, Mickey Mantle. It's just insane. I said, why do you... So when he was on his deathbed with dementia so bad, he was just staring at the TV, and my MDV half-hour comedy hour special was on. He paused it. Uh, I, he didn't pause it. He just told me to turn it down. It was a hospital room. He didn't pause it. And he said, I need to tell you something. You seem to be the captain of your own ship. Like something about show business cracked through all the dementia and the foggy. And the like. he'd just tell you, like, I just got in a fight with a guy in the hallway. And you're like, okay. You seem to be the captain of your own ship. And he's pointing to the TV. He says, do you know why I collect giraffes, JJ? A giraffe has to stick its neck out for what it believes in. Every animal can get the fruit on the ground, halfway up the tree, midway through the tree. A giraffe can get the ones all the way at the top. It's a little more dangerous. You don't know what's in the branches. And it was like a four-minute bing, bing, bing. Did you know the giraffe's the real king of the jungle? Because a giraffe's kick will disembowel a lion. One kick, two pieces of lion, but they never kick each other, JJ. And then back to bed. So I got the giraffe tattoo because of him. So when he died... My father and I were in Millville, New Jersey at this tiny, small town, you know, like the town funeral home. And I, I walk into the restroom after, during, a little after the funeral. And my father, it's just me and my dad in the restroom. And my dad turns to me and he's like, his fucking, his dad died. And we just held each other and started crying. And my cousin, it's like one cousin, you're like, He's like, 14, but I think he's on coke. <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure. It's like, well, what are we talking about? Something's obviously wrong with his fucking brain. The one, like, troubled cousin. <laughs> this kid's, like, 16. And he's, like, like one second into the hug, he's like, hey, guys. And it's like, oh, like, not his fucking dad died. That was the hatch to the submarine of emotion that I needed, that he needed. And then just back to, okay. Like, well, and now, you know, so... When I hold you, it flows, buddy. We, we, we've seen the well beneath the well. A lot of people go their whole lives and they never show anybody else the well beneath the well where the real water goes. Not where everybody goes. There's a well under that well. Are you sharing that? Then you're connecting. Well, you're such an affectionate, loving guy. You say I love you all the time. I never say it if I don't mean it. But are you saying that 
You never heard your dad say, Jay, I love you. He said it often. If I would say it to him, he would say it back. But without you saying it. No. And your mom, without you saying it, she would always say always. it. Always. Yeah. I think I was in a meeting once. It was like West LA. I walked into this AA meeting. I just looked at the... If anybody out there wants to get sober and you're like, what about the meetings? AA, insert town here, meetings, hit send, and a calendar will pop up. So just fucking stop being a baby. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office and Everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the air doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the air doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. 
So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. I don't think I've ever shared this with you. I was eight years old. There was this girl I liked on my street. And then I see this yellow Volkswagen come down the street, swerving back and forth and stopping in the middle of the grass of the yard. She got out of the car, reached for a bicycle, it pulled herself, did a complete flip, and all the kids were laughing around watching her. And I was in horror because I knew there was something wrong. And I looked in the window and I saw this young girl crying. When I saw her afterwards, I said, what's wrong? And she said, my mom is an alcoholic. She drinks, it's bad, and she can't control it, and I don't know what to do. You would drink until you were not functioning anymore. So I fell down into a bed. I don't know why anybody else drinks any other way. It doesn't taste good. You can't put it on cereal. I'm going to have a beer. Why? I tried to do my best to get you sober, and I felt like I failed, and then one day you did it on your own. There's three C's. When it comes to addicts, you didn't cause it, you can't control it, you're not going to cure it. My story is very odd because I didn't really hit that bottom bottom. You're pulling your pants up in an adult bookstore and there's diarrhea in your shoes. You're like, where did I get this $50 bill? I guess I have hit bottom. Good sermon, Father. <laughs> <laughs> you know the lieutenant governor? brap. <laughs> eh. I'm going to get a monkey in an organ grinder. <laughs> Sorry. The Suicide King's rap party was at the improv. Low budget movie. You could have a rap party at like Mr. Chow's or uh, let's go to the improv on like a Tuesday. It'll probably be free. And it's just assumed the whole way down the line, you'll just do stand up and be our headlining entertainment. And nobody said like, is that okay with you? There was no way out of it. We had a great time. The cast was great. Everybody got along. Leary, Walk, and Henry Thomas, Sean Patrick Flannery, Sisto. Galecki and everybody. And I drank at my house before I went out. I drank at the improv. I drank before I went on stage. On stage, I had a bottle of champagne while I was on stage. Got off stage, went to the bar to have champagne. Then I switched to scotch. The next day, I was with somebody and we were going over the hill to go to the beach, but it's like an hour, you got to go cut through the canyon. I said, I don't think I can go. Like I'm going to shit my pants. I have no control at all over my body. I'm so hungover. I said, why don't you do what I do? Just have like one or two drinks and stop. And growing up in the rooms with my mom as an alcoholic, I knew all the steps. I had memorized them because I went to all the meetings with her. Also, sidebar, at nine years old, that's why I get so frustrated. I finally figured out with shit that goes like time, time management, bosses, mid-level management. Because at nine years old... I watched the Alpha and the Omega of my life, my mom, go into a church basement in front of strangers and say, I surrender. I need help. I am a failure. And I watched this woman brick by brick build herself back together. And I met other people that would fall off the wagon, come back in, and I just watched this community. These 12 steps, these 12 traditions, this guy, first name only, that's his number. You call they. So when I walk into a workplace and nothing makes sense, it's like, Okay, how many cards are in the deck? Are we doing five a hand or seven a hand? May I look at it before we play? No? All right. But if I don't, anyway. So that's why I get so frustrated. But I knew all the language of AA. And that person said to me in the car on Lancashire and Riverside at that light, May 5th, 1205. 
when you do have one or two drinks like I do and stop? I said, because once I have one or two drinks, I'm powerless. Oh, stop talking. Turned my car around. Threw up, had diarrhea. The guy lived in the apartment complex. And that was it. I, step one, we admit we're powerless over drugs and alcohol and our lives have become unmanageable. And I said, because once I have one or two, I am powerless. It's just, you're done. And nobody's going to hold me to it, but me. But saying that out loud is the hardest fucking part to say out loud to somebody when you finally go into the rooms and it just flew out of me and it was just done. You and I were at a strip club once during like spring break MTV <laughs> <laughs> and Barry goes, all right, man, I'm going to, uh, this is when you to check your messages from like a payphone and just listen. You couldn't even like delete. You had to listen to somebody's fucking, Hey, uh, it's Louie. Hey, uh, hold on. That's not my cat. Uh, huh? Abraham. You know, we have three cats in here. And I can't tell them apart, but that's not my... No, I'm leaving a message for Barry. And you just sit there for 11 minutes, and you're like, fuck! So you apparently... I mean, you were a talent manager. 20 clients, all like in their 20s, and we all had gripes. Nobody reaches and cracks through to the uh, Yoda-like wisdom you and I carry around. So you're just standing by the phone, and you left your fucking platinum Amex at the strip club. The waitress goes, can I take that? I go, actually... <laughs> Not yet. I need a bottle for the lady. I need a bottle for the lady. And I need a bottle for myself. She goes, okay. Then can I take it? I go, sure. And you were there for like <laughs> 35 minutes with a phone to in the corner as fucking Allison Chains, man in the box is playing. You come back, you pick up the check, and you go, nobody move. <laughs> <laughs> Your palms out. And you just keep staring at it, and you like something just hit those eyes wrong. Cause you looked at it when you got up, and then finally, you look at me with the funniest face. You ordered three bottles of champagne while I was on the fucking phone. And I go, yeah, three bottles, cause the girls had left. I sent her three empty bottles. And you were like, oh Jesus Christ, man. You had to order the bottle. It was like dumb. It was like a thousand dollar bottle. Give me some of your finest champagne for these girls who I think really like me. <laughs> well, I was gonna say earlier, I went to this AA meeting and it was a teen meeting by mistake. The speaker comes out. He's eighty. He's actually eighty. He's an old TV director. Like he did Gunsmoke and stuff. I don't recognize him or his name. And he, he's telling all these kids his resume, and they're tuning him out. And I'm about to tune him out. I'm like, Jesus, old man, get to it. Cut to the manhole. <laughs> And he goes, let me tell you guys something. This universe, 90% takers, 10% givers. When you walk out that door before you hit the doorway, you make up your mind which one you want to be. So I got like five feet from the door and I stopped moving my body and I stood still and I looked at the doorway and I said, am I a giver or a taker? And I said, I take a lot, but I'm pretty sure I'm a giver. And then I was stuck with like the ambiguity of not knowing. And I said, I'm making a choice. I'm going to be a giver from when I clear this doorway. I don't ever have to think twice about it ever again. Like bottles of champagne. I was a taker, but I still would do that. If it was fucking soda, it'd be funny. <laughs> you ordered three six packs of Pepsi while I was on the fucking phone, man. Why do they have to be 16 ounces?
my mom, give her, give her, give her, give her, give her. You, give her, give her, give her, give her. Because you said you tried to help me get sober. I asked Dr. Drew this on my podcast. Like, you can do so much excavating and moral inventory that you're actually getting negative results. And you actually become kind of sick. You give and give. This sounds kooky. But you keep giving and self-examining until you're like back and through the looking glass 14 times. And you just go insane. At some point, you must say... I am no longer giving this kind of attention, at least, to that person because it's fucking killing me. You trying to get me sober. My mom trying to please my dad. She'll never stop dancing and giving. Can't talk to her without going, you know how great your dad is? It's like, no, I don't. But every time we talk, you tell me he's the greatest guy on earth. And he is a great guy, like we said earlier. You can give and give. But there's also a thing that you were talking about, like Charlie. You give his clothing. At some point, you go, I can't give my clothing to this homeless guy. He can't do shows in the park. He relies on me to give this small thing to him that keeps him going. This cycle, this hamster wheel. It was just interesting because I didn't know that you tried to get me sober at all. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. Being a taker is so easy. You're the but, reason I eat. I shouldn't have said that. No. <laughs> Jonathan, do me a <laughs> You know what? Just leave it. Who cares? We don't <laughs> Emmy Award winner, Louis Anderson. Wow, beautiful. We love Louis. And your parents have always been so wonderful to me and so grateful to them. So tell me the first moment you remember where it challenged your sobriety. July this year, I was at a hotel. I was alone at a corporate show. I opened the refrigerator and the minibar, and I just went, whoa. In shorter than what you would consider a synapse. I had the complete experience of, eh, I can't. I mean, you've been through so much. What a year. Oof. Drinking, regret, going all, like the Buddhist, the, the wheel of Dharma. I went through all of that, like Last Temptation of Christ, when it's like an entire lifetime not lived in a blink of an eye, like if Christ just eschewed the cross. And got married and had children. Those kids had children just in the blink of an eye. He has this lifetime. I had that open in the minibar at a hotel in July. And I went, whoa. I called uh, La Machine in Queens. I said, buddy, this just happened to me. And he goes, uh, why don't you just call downstairs and get some fucking cock? <laughs> <laughs> just send up seven to 25 cocks and just have, you love the cock? And I go, I do love the cock. And we talked about fucking dicks and different shapes of dicks, sizes, colors, <laughs> for about a half hour, hung up the phone. Then I went to the mini bar. I went in there to make room for like my cans of soda. And then I just took all the booze out and I put it on top uh like next to the TV or whatever. But then it was it was just gone. There's also times you fail when you take NyQuil for night shoots to help you sleep. And then two weeks go by and you go, eh, I mean, my coverage is done. I'll just have some NyQuil, get a head start in that sleep. And then you go, wow, I drink two bottles of NyQuil a day. When I go to the bathroom, I shoot green pee out of my bottom <laughs> and I'm impotent. But NyQuil makes you impotent? Two bottles a day? You ever hear whiskey dick? No. I don't know why I said that like Norm, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard the expression whiskey dick. Yeah, I don't want to misuse the Queen's English, you know. But see, uh, 
NyQuil, Dick. <laughs> no, it's not known what it actually is. Because nobody would be that dumb to uh, drink so much without a cold. You know, the efficacy is that uh, this is an addict in a nutshell. This is well over 10 years ago. My dentist gave me 10 Vicodin after a root canal. I took a Vicodin, never had a pill before in my life. I get home, I'm playing like Madden, and all of a sudden there's like this, the only way I can describe it, a golden hum, like a tuning fork vibration that you can't really see, only like in a cartoon. But my whole body's got this little golden hum, man. Feels good. I take another one. Now I got a golden hum, capital G, capital H. I go into my downstairs guest bathroom on a black countertop. I open the bottle and I lay the pills out and I count to eight to make sure that guy didn't fuck me. He said 10. I took two. You know what, asshole? Three, four, eight. All right. Fucking fuck with my shit. I went, you have a problem. Wow. So writing a book is the most rewarding because you craft it. It's not a half hour. It's You're talking about like if you're writing about yourself, it's a life. If you're writing fiction, you're writing about make-believe lives that you actually create. Um, death of a comic hits me hard. And it's, I, this time on this couch with you is the first time I ever said that word and it hit me hard. It's an absence. Which comedian hit me the hardest robin williams not even close i never met i saw the guy at the emmys once i could be in my car and convince myself like we were friends i get so sad he was so beautiful and made so many the only person that he couldn't show how beautiful he was was robin williams we look at him and we go wow and by the way, all those comics out there that go, oh, he fucking steals. Hope you're just high-fiving each other. Told you. He stole death. Everybody fucking dies, hack. People just love to throw shit. Just as acting alone. Uh, Where were you that day? I was at home, and it was just, who do you tell? I've had to deliver a lot of death news in the last five years. My wife's mom died. I got the call that she had died at 59 years old, Terry K. Cox. What a concept. I put the phone down. My wife's in the other room. You want to talk a space-time continuum? I have the power to not tell her. She won't know. If I just go to bed tonight, her mom's alive. I'm controlling time, space, life, as she knows it, is about to come out of my mouth. And I'm you have to walk from here to that door with that. I've done that like four fucking times in the last two years. Don't answer your phone, man. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best 
water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And that wraps up part one of two episodes. You can check out the next episode this coming Thursday. And here's a preview of the next episode. If you don't have a crew, if you're very young, if you don't fit in really anywhere, that's the best thing in the world because you're not like the others. Don't be like the others. Nurture whatever that garden is in you where you grow different things than others. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. You're going far. Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.